Hey everybody, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Chatting with Country. Today, I am on the line with Keon, and so we are going to get to know him a little bit more and just give you a backstory of him and who he is, because he is very personable and he does a lot within the community and I'll let his story evolve as we go forth and tell you about the the top four things that's in his life that he does on a daily basis and so welcome Keon how are you hello (laughs) (laughs) and so he was actually on another podcast with us and I think you know the people that's coming into the podcast and with us is starting to like it and you know like hearing themselves speak and being able to be free and to you know get a self a little bit so i just want to start off with asking just a little bit about you if you want to go you know as far back as childhood um up until now you can but then i'll also interject and throw some questions out there okay cool cool um well, um, I, I think I always say this, I'm very spoiled because I come from a two-parent household uh, being an African-American and that is one of those um, advantages I believe I had in life. But uh, no, I'm a 34, I'm a single father and, uh, of a teenage boy. Um, I have uh, my hobbies as far as playing music, DJing, uh, being a, a, how can I say this, a public security guard for the for the city I work in aka oh a police officer <laughs> aka a police officer that's all we, we we just security guards just for the entire city um uh that's that's pretty much it uh I, I stayed in my so what was childhood life. like for you um born in Texas um I was a uh, yeah, born inside of Trinity, Texas, outside of Houston. It's like a little country town, so that's where I get all my little country stuff from. I still wear cowboy boots, rode horses, um, helped my uncles out on a farm and stuff like that. I had an uncle named Bo, and he, he was just one of those black, old country, as country as you can get, missing teeth, eating the same thing every day, eating uh, beans out of a can type uncle. Hmm. Um, my biological father, uh, I, I like to say like, I was spoiled because uh, I have two. I have a biological father and I have my uh, stepfather, who I just call my real father, who is uh, both mm-hmm. um, had a distinct on my uh, personality. Uh, I have my biological father, who is just one of those dudes. I just think I get my uh, what can I say? my uh unforgiveness from but uh my stepfather that's where i get all my understanding and patience from mm-hmm. i remember when um so when i was living in texas and uh this is how i met my uh, ex-wife i was back and forth from texas to indiana it was mary Keon. yeah i was uh i was my ex-wife for about 13 years mm. so oh yeah yeah we, we were together for some time but no no i'm sorry not 13 probably a little over 15 because my son is 13 now so we were we were, we were together for quite some time so i've been divorced for about three years now three four years now mm-hmm. so but um i remember the, the funny funny fun, this is and i believe like this is like one of the things that made me want 
to continue to be a father and be as involved in my son's life as I am. But um, when my ex-wife got pregnant, there was a, a, a decision my biological father gave me. He said was, hey, if you get her to have an abortion, um, you can continue to stay in Texas and I'll be giving you um, the family business. He had a air and refrigeration um, company. You know, I think he has multiple companies now. And um, when he had the uh, air and refrigeration, that's how I got my certification and stuff like that. I, he started teaching me how to do uh, air and refrigeration at a young age. And um, my biological father has like about 13 kids. And uh, oh yeah, so his... Uh, what's it he's a player the about seven about seven baby mamas and um i remember him like me sounds being like our daddy that's okay hey oh, oh yeah like i remember him being um basically just giving me that choice like hey i'm his oldest son and i'll give you the business if you continue to stay out in texas and funny story i, I believe in god I, I i i do have the faith but uh he was a pastor as well and i remember i was in church and I was flicking through this Bible. And, uh, you know, you just like flick through a Bible and I just land on a random page and I just began reading this particular scripture. And this particular scripture said, like, ye, uh, you will have a son. And I think that was like one of my, like, uh, God is talking. Yeah, yeah, God talking to me moments. And uh, I kid you not, before I can even find out what, I, what, uh, what we was having, I already knew who was having a son and I already had his name and stuff out. So uh, that was my decision was to move to Indiana permanently and uh, raise my, my son. And uh, I never left the side since. So that, I think that was like one of the uh, defining moments of me being involved with uh, my child as the way that I am. I can't, I can't leave it sad, so. So you said you think he has multiple businesses. Do you not talk to him uh, anymore? Oh man, no. We, uh, uh, I know he has multiple businesses, but as far as like talking to, I remember uh, I even tried to add him on Facebook, and this is me well into my adulthood. Me trying to uh, add him on Facebook, and uh, it sat there. Like my friend request sat there for years, to the point where I just say, you know what? Um, I'm just coming to the realization that we'll never probably get past it. I'm all, I'm about to be 35 next year, and uh, I just finally took that friend request off. And, and then he still shows up on my feed, like you know, people you may know, but we we've never had it. We we haven't had. Now, a, is this your uh, biological or this your stepdad? It's my biological. Okay, so yeah, we haven't had a relationship uh, since my son has been born. Yeah, yeah, I haven't talked to him since my son has been born. That's about going on thirteen years in a row. So, do you ever think about just showing up at the doorstep to Texas? I wouldn't even know yeah. where to start. No, nah, I wouldn't even know where to start. I, I have my. So, uh, what about your siblings? Do you talk to them? Um, a few of them. Um, just uh, which oh, uh, what, what's funny is is that uh, most of our names start with K's and C's. So, Keon, Courtney, uh, Casey, Kennedy, and um, I only talked to uh about three of them out of all of them. I remember I met all of them when we uh when I went to Texas for my grandma's funeral. And that's uh, you know, he was on my my, my biological father was his only child, and um, I remember uh, them naming all of the grandkids uh, on the obituary, and I was like, holy smokes! Like I got a bunch of brothers and sisters that I didn't know nothing about, and of course, you know, my um, dad being the player he was or is, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, 
most of us was around the same age. So he had like two 15 year olds by two different women at the time. And um, we, were, we, we were very all close in age. So how do you feel about male role models? Are they um, important? Very. Um, I, I truly believe that being there isn't enough but definitely having a good moral compass uh, may have a good moral compass and uh, I was blessed enough to have multiple uh, positive male role models in my life that gave me different different skills and uh, viewpoints in life so like and yeah I mean it, and they also go beyond um, race uh, they go beyond like you know family so it just wasn't family members I was just blessed enough to have certain men in my life that came and I, and I remember these stories very vividly I remember um, it was a it was a, his name was uh, Shannon he's a white dude I was dating this girl at this particular time and I had no skills on working on cars at all and I remember I over flooded the engine with uh, engine oil because I thought I knew what the fuck I was doing and uh, he came out and he was like Hey man, and he's straight up. I, I want to say I was like around 17. And he was like, Hey, if you're going to date my daughter, um, you're going to have to learn how to do these basic man things. And checking the oil, changing oil, changing the tire was like my uh, entry into developing skills as a man. Mm-hmm. So, and I can tell you one thing white girls from Indiana, totally different from white girls in Texas. Uh, so, uh, I, I remember, I, I remember when I was younger, um, me dating, uh, in Texas, I dated, I dated a lot of black girls in Texas, but, uh, when I was, uh, when I, I got my introduction into dating outside my race, I was in Texas. It was this, um, girl, they made them, they made her go through PT. I didn't know what PT was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, I think what she, what was the word she said? She said, painful training. So um, when her dad found out that she was talking to a black dude, he's like, don't worry about it. We just going to uh, work this out your ass. <laughs> they did that by mm. push-ups and all that stuff. That was in Texas. Now, when I moved to Indiana, of course, me being a little bit older and uh, having some of, you know, there there's a such thing as, you know, black country folk, but coming out yeah. here to the middle, yeah, coming out to the Midwest, mm-hmm. It wasn't um, big. Yeah, it wasn't big. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a million too. It was a culture (laughs) Uh, shock. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And so, even into into my adulthood, um, I was. It was more easier for me, like, and and, you know, me being younger, you date what you can get, and at that time, that's how I never my ex-wife. me being up like because I stayed in East Chicago, stayed in Hammond, uh, mainly East Chicago. So me trying to date in East Chicago, date you know what my surroundings was, it it, it, it was it was very difficult, put it that way. But the, when I got my very when I got my very first car and I stumbled into to Hammond, Crown Point, and I was like, oh okay, <laughs> and that's why I met my ex-wife was Crown Point, and I was like, okay, well cool, like hey. They don't like me over here, but they like me over here. Like I'm the shit over mm-hmm. here. I ain't shit over here, and that's and that's where my dating preferences started to change as I got older. So, is it a reason you 
you know, sound like you would smash a black chick, but you don't want to be in a relationship with them? Or is it just you haven't found the right person? Talk more about interracial dating because I only ask because we in Spokane, right? Oh, okay. And with the boys, you know, they tend to go for white women, but mm-hmm. that's got them in trouble up here, right? Ooh, and wait. so, um, you got to kind of be careful. So, like, talk more about that. Uh, first of all, I think you got to be careful when dating any race of women. <laughs> but uh, this is true. Um, I was now. It's not that I've actually dated um, black women up here in the Midwest, and I and I know them very frequently. But they were a particular uh, taste of uh, black women I, that I, I that I enjoy. Um, as far as like physically and attitude wise, like there was just. Um, I just remember this. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to name drop her, but it was this. Um, this one uh, black, particular uh, female. She was really, really dark skinned and she was soft spoken. She was in shape. She played tennis, and um, she was very, very natural looking. Like you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, you know, she she when she wanted to do something nice, she'd do the the hair extensions and all that stuff. But she can do it with or without. You know what I mean, and uh, yeah. I think I think what mainly attracted to me to her was her attitude. It's like you know, when you can just have a conversation with a person, and it's not so hostile. Like me, like me being younger, talking to uh, certain women, it, it was very hard. Like, I didn't have the vocabulary or the uh, emotional awareness onto what I was dealing with at at that time. I just knew I just didn't like that type of shit. So. But um, same thing with the uh, white girls. Like white girls from Black Oak is gonna be totally different from white girls uh, in Hammond, and then it's gonna be different from Hammond all the way to Crown Point. And I can say the same thing about you know black girls from Gary are gonna be different from uh, black girls in Maryville. So it's definitely a, a class thing for me. It'd be what type of class? What what what? Type, mm-hmm. Not 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 necessarily the race, but what type of Get class of one? Yeah. 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 Hey, and there's ghetto white people too. There's ghetto yeah, Latin people, yeah. ghetto black people. Hey, so it, it, it was always the class for me. You know what I'm saying? But I will say that it was very easy to impress a ghetto black chick. Like, damn, like, dude, oh my God, look at this restaurant. What is this called? I said, that's called Salt and Pepper. It comes at every table. It's crazy. So, okay. <laughs> so and yeah. Dang, these napkins thick. I know, I know. You only, you only got to use one. <laughs> Why they put a towel on my leg? <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, and I, and once again, same thing. I can say the same thing about white girls too. Uh, and it, it's funny because this was like a a, a little recent. Uh, you take one, you took, took a, a, a Caucasian girl from Hammond, and we would go to Valpo and go out and eat at a restaurant. And she's like, "Oh my God, I feel like a celebrity." And I'm just like, "This is just a regular restaurant." You know what I'm saying? So I, it's definitely certain classes, and you know, with certain. So are white women your preference because of where you grew up at, or oh, that's no. just your cup of tea? That's just what you like. Man, I like women who like me back. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying so. Yeah. Whether it be whether it be black or or white or Latin, which I. I but I you know don't. what, Keon, you're different, right? Oh, and so, no. like one of a kind, you're a one of a kind type person, right? And it's like everybody can't get with that so if you was able to find somebody that was able to compliment you that was black you know what i'm saying 
mm-hmm. think you would be happy and marry again, et cetera, et cetera. But it'd be so hard, you know, because a lot of black women are judgmental, you Very. know, and looking for faults and different things in a man that, you know, it make you switch to a different class of, of woman, you know, that's more accepting. I hear a mm-hmm. lot of people up here talk about, you know, I date white women because they are they're more accepting, they're more confident. And it's sad to say, but like it's a true it's a true story. So oh. let me go ahead. No, uh, no, that, that's very true. And and I would say and I would say this: it's not just black women too. It's also um, uh, white women as well. I, I I remember this particular time. It was a white girl. Uh, we come back to my place, and so I got I got so my, I keep my shoes in the uh, main room. Like when you get off the you get, come in the house, you take off your shoes at the door. And so I had all my cowboy boots lined up. And when she comes in, she goes, whose shoes are those? I said, these are all my boots. And then she's like, you ain't got no Jordans? And I'm like, wow. And, 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 and funny story, I ain't, I ain't buy my first pair of Jordans ever, my very first pair of Jordans, until about 2015. That was the very first time I bought Jordans. Do I have a collection now? No, not like I know some people, but I do have a few pairs now. But the fact that she just wrote me off so quickly right. just by looking at my shoes, and this ain't, this ain't black, this, this is a white girl. Um, is is definitely more outspoken when you, you deal with a bad girl because if you ain't got no style, you ain't got no swag. If you look a certain way, you without them getting to know you, it's all it's automatic. You're automatically written off. Right. So let's backtrack. Would you, if your wife came back around, mm-hmm. would you date her again? Would I date her and me, me being an, the adult I am now? Mm-hmm. Definitely not. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, definitely not. Just just because I I know I have the um, emotional intelligence now to know if a woman's not going to respect you, she probably never will. Um, if she if she's not going to adhere to the um, I hate to say hierarchy, but here to the relationship roles in that in that particular relationship she probably won't and a lot a lot of dudes are scared to say what they want in their relationships but that's why a lot of dudes like do all this do all these things in silence and they can't really um you know define what they really want in a relationship because they're also scared to say it talk like, a little bit more about that what's your name so, um, I like take for instance. I see some girls like I'm a DJ. So and I and I go to uh, some uh, I DJ at some clubs and stuff like that. And just sometimes with the with the things that I see some some women wear, I would be like, my girl could not leave the house dressed like that. Seriously. And uh, a, a lot of women would go like, well, that means you're not you're not comfortable in your relationship or you're not um you're not uh, comfortable in your manhood or you just don't trust her now those those were tools that i believe that some women will use in order to get a man to adhere to them wanting to dress how they want to now i'm comfortable enough in my life i i've uh, i've dj'd or i've dj'd and i'm going out to dinner with you know some politicians, some some uh, the mayor a couple times, and just like you know, some some lawyers. So, I as me now, 
if you're going to be with me and you're going to be my woman or you're going to be my girl, I need you to dress accordingly because you're not, you're you're not, you're not representing your self expression. You represent me because the, the whole thing is the whole thing is is that when you go out, they're not going to be like, oh look at that girl, uh, you know, looking all sexy. Like, oh, did that girl come with Kia? You know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. and just and just like me, like I would not be in a situation to where you look. You know, you were you wearing a nice little elegant dress, and then I come just wearing some some jeans and you know uh, an iron shirt. You know what I'm saying? Because they're gonna look at you like, damn, is that is, is that what her standard is? Uh, I guess. So it, it's like the the type of thing, even like as far as you wear, like you know, it's you're representing each other, and then you're representing your relationship. But that that that's just one of those things that if it's not a pet peeve, but it's just one of those things I frown upon. If you can't dress like that in front of my mama, don't dress like that at all. Yeah, I feel it. So what made me go silent? What made you go silent in certain areas? Because um, for the simple fact is, is, as soon as you try to speak up uh, against some things, it's, 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 not, it's unpleasant. You know what I'm saying? It's very unpleasant, but at the same time, like... <clears throat> It's, it'll be shamed you know what I'm saying like let's be honest like dudes they, they'll they fuck hoes but they want wife hoes and there's a reason for that because loose women were just meant for what fun but at the same time you as a man you will be made, like okay I don't know if you ever heard of one of these situations but there there's one girl that everybody unsmashed right everybody unsmashed her everybody knows how this girl is but the moment that that girl is seen with a dude who like wifed her up. I'm like, dude, you crazy as hell. Everybody else got it for free. Why would you pay for it? You know what I'm saying? So it was just one of those things. Like, damn, this dude, I wiped up the hoe. That's why, I'd be like, sometimes like women's reputations get carried around with them. And it's also gonna be a representation of you. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, but what if she changed skip. though? What if she changed? Yeah, I mean, she went through her she went through her whoredom, right? And mm-hmm. now she feel like she met the right one. I mean, men do it all the time. They <clears> sleep <throat> around with. I think we kind of touched on that on the last podcast we what? all did, you know. And men sleep around, and then they find the one. And so we like, dang girl, you done hooked up with him. He done slept with the whole school. And she like, well, you know, but he changed for her. So then, what if she changes? For him, you know what I'm saying. So, what well, in my personal, I think my personal reason, like men and women, we have to understand that we are different. We can do the exact same thing, but get very different outcomes. So, take for instance, um, I, I, I like to use celebrities because people can understand when you use celebrities. Uh, Drake, Chris Brown, these dudes smash women, right? Drake smashed so many women that um, he has, after he gets done, he has to put Tabasco sauce in his condom because he's scared that he's going to get trapped. Now, why would a woman want, now, why would a woman want to you have a baby? What? He put Tabasco sauce in his condoms. That's what, you know, that's what the, the woman tried to sue him for, I guess, because um, he put a Tabasco, he put hot sauce in his condom and she tried to use the semen to impregnate herself. But the whole mm-hmm. thing is, the whole, the whole thing is this, like, women don't mind as much when they deal with a dude who smashed a lot of chicks because 
that's a hard feat and it, it's hard it's hard enough to get one woman to like you twice as hard to get 10 women to like you it's super super hard to get a hundred women to like you so the way that women work in my belief don't know don't know women want to be with a dude that no other women won't you know what i'm saying like why you want like who who, who wants the ugly nigga that nobody wants oh well that it, it really happens you know what i'm saying with um with women like the dude nobody the dude doesn't want the woman who who's everybody smashed everybody you know what i'm saying and it's just different like women are veered on their chastity and their um their ability to uh like you know with not 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 giving themselves a lot to a lot of men because it's not hard for women to get sex for a woman to get sex i'm listening oh i'm sorry it's not it's not well okay it's not hard for a woman to get sex but it's hard for a man to get sex it's very hard a woman can walk into the middle of a room and be like, hey, anybody trying to smash? She gonna get somebody. And I've seen, me being a DJ, I've seen it. I've, I've seen it umpteen times. A girl can go into a bar with no purse, no money, come out drunk and with a dude on her hand. A woman can actually go into a bar and leave out with something. Actually leave out with more. Go in there with nothing, leave out with more. Can a man do that? Definitely not. A man has to like start showing his value from the beginning. So, I mean, that, that's just how I see it. Like and granted, a lot of people don't like this, but it is what it is. That's why women, a woman can meet the man of her dreams while working at McDonald's in a drive-through, but a man is not likely, very unlikely, to meet the woman of his dreams working at a McDonald's drive-through. That's why women put on makeup when they go to work. They gotta look, they gotta look decent because they might meet that one dude, and that's facts. Okay. Well, since you brought up DJing, let's talk about where you got Hacksaw from. Where did that DJ name come from? Oh my God. Um, I went through a bunch of I went through a bunch of uh DJ names and the funny thing is like when I first started playing music, it was never a thing for me to want to play for people. I've never wanted to play for people. It was just I I picked up DJing. Well, when I was younger I used to be a break dancer. Um Really? Yeah, yeah, doing all the back. You know what you did that one? You did one, uh, one party where they had pulled out the little cardboard box and they was out there break dance, and I was just like, okay, that was lit. (laughs) Hey, hey, and and, and that was a bunch of white folks too in like the country. It was like uh, I was in uh, Knox, Indiana. It was crazy. Yeah, but uh, they had fun. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, the funny part was that I, I never, I, I only started playing music. Because when I was out of shape and I could not no longer do all the stuff I could do when I was younger. So I said, I, I want to stay connected with the culture. And the mm-hmm. best way that I knew that that was, was, well, if you couldn't break dance, the DJ was the next, well, I should say, he was the most important part of the party. And um, when I started doing that, I literally only had 10 songs. <laughs> and they were all like African Bambada, Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC. And um, some old uh, disco break beats, and um, at one point, I remember I couldn't even pay somebody to go DJ their party. I couldn't even pay them. I could not pay to DJ a person's party. And uh, I remember 
uh, a friend of mine actually got me my very first show and that was at Sheffield's and uh, I never like planned to play for people but I was developing skill just to play for myself but everyone had a good time and then next thing you know another show another show another show and then I think I put in like at least like four years of hard work as far as like like scratching and learning like the old school skills and then the next thing you know like I actually got to DJ with one of my um one of my idols and uh, that was DJ Jazzy Jeff okay. from the uh, from the uh, Fresh Prince uh of Bel Air you know and um when I actually got the chance to play on his turntables and you know sit next to him take pictures with him talk to him this is a real do- cool dude so you go from like and if no one will know uh, Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff was one of the very first rap groups to win the um, uh, uh, Emmy for hip hop. So that that's how they set the standard for playing, uh, playing and emceeing uh, clean rap. You know what I'm saying? One nothing about degrading women. One nothing about violence. And I can always I always challenge these people. I always challenge people. Find a song that's uh, that was by Run DMC or uh, Will Smith. Uh, degrading women talking about violence and violence towards other black people you can't and they did that without or will smith said a lot he did it without even saying cuss words right so that's that, that's what i love where, about where your name come from where the hats all come from oh I said, yeah beard off so yeah uh, y'all do it to me all the time but it's okay uh um i, I asked all my closest friends uh jamal and uh remy uh, being like, you know how they was involved, and I, I would run these names by them. I, if it, it was so. My very first original name was DJ Samurai because I wanted to like, like, hey, I cut like a samurai. You know what I'm saying? And it was just too many. It was, it was funny, but it was like so many syllables. Like I cut like a samurai, and then uh, we went from DJ uh, Mad Scientist. You know what I'm saying? Mad scientists. Mad scientists. Uh, <laughs> because I, 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 I'm, I'm chemically putting these beats together. Because at one point I was mixing different acapellas with uh, different um, instrumentals. So I was like, you know, like a scientist. I'm, I'm bringing these, these elements together to make them work. Um, actually, Remy um, had came over the name like DJ Saw or Hacksaw. And we just played on it, played on it. And then I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to invest into this name so that no one, oh, I even uh, had DJ Cowboy at one point too. Cause I had the, uh, okay. I wore the Cowboy hat, DJ Cowboy. But that name was already patented, it was taken. So I couldn't do it. Wow. So when I invested into this name, DJ Hacksaw, I had to pay for it. I had to get it um, sent off where like, um, it was it was gonna be mine. And I paid for a logo and everything. And so when I had that name, like you can look that name up and on the uh on YouTube. That's and that's what I was doing. I was looking names up on YouTube. I like this name, but it was already taken like over a dozen times. So I wanted something that was going to be um unique to me. Original. Yeah. Yeah. So and uh DJ Hackstar like really just stuck. And even at first I, I, I was very weird about the name. It just grew on me. So now uh, it was crazy because I would do like these cuts and scratches for people's albums and stuff because they wanted an old school feel and I could do stuff that they couldn't do on a computer. So 
I would just scratch these things up. And I remember I was at my gym not, not too long ago. And this dude was like, yeah, man, I do music. I'm a, I'm a hip hop artist. I rap. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I DJ and stuff. And he goes like, yeah, what's your DJ name? I was like, yeah, well, DJ Hacksaw. And he's like, bro, like, I know you without knowing you. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. He goes okay. like, I've heard your name in these circles. I've heard you scratch, but I've never met you. And we've been going to the gym for about a year at this time. We were always, I'm, I'm respectful to everybody. So I say, hey, when I'm walking past people. And he goes like, man, if I would have known you were Hacksaw, like, our relationship would have been totally different. Now when I go to the gym, he goes like, "What's up, Saul?" And I'm like, "What's good, man?" So it's it's just one of those those things. So, so you need to get you some t-shirts and logos and stuff going on like Remy Santana. And, and you know, when I saw that, I saw that, and I was like, "Man, I'm like, I never thought that far ahead to make it like a a thing." Well, why not? I mean, you paid for the name, so why not be a thing? Uh, because because remember originally, this this was just a, a thing for me to do to relieve yeah. stress. Because I I remember well, not to get into too much detail, but I remember when I first became a police officer, I saw I saw some things that that really really stuck on me, and it stuck on me for a long time. Like I was having nightmares, and this is the things that people took. These are things like when signing up for police, and they don't tell you about. But like everybody thinks it's just car chases, you know, arresting people, donuts and fucking like, oh, you know, having real. Right, ha- having authority and all that shit. But there there's a under there's there's a secret thing that a lot of officers secretly deal with. And they try to mask it with alcoholism, sex, um, you know, they they're, they're they're running from it. And so I remember this one particular officer. Who was my FTO at the time, uh, FTO uh, field training officer? His name was McClellan. And he literally told me, um, "Hey, you just need to get something that you can dive into and that it makes you forget about everything else." His thing, particular thing, was making candles, <laughs> which I mean, as oh, simple okay. as it's, as, as yeah. simple as it sounds, but he's like, "It's just something about just mixing different fragrances to get a particular smell." that you want and then just lighting it on fire and smelling it throughout the night. That was his thing. I don't know if he still does it now, but I did take I did take that and I was like, okay, cool. I went and got me a um a little hundred and fifty dollar um excuse me, a little hundred and fifty dollar controller and I had me a laptop already and I just bought those first ten songs off of iTunes and I played with those songs. I played with them, I played with them, I played with them. And it was just I, I would forget about I would sleep I would literally sleep better. I would sleep better. Like, it, I I was over that the thing that I was going through, and um, I I was I was chilling, and um, it, it helped me. Even to this day, I keep my stuff hooked up downstairs. Whether it's 10, 15, 20 minutes, thirty minutes, an hour, I'll go downstairs. I'll play for a little bit. I relax myself, and then boom, I come upstairs. I can just relax. That 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 was my thing. So it was never a business venture for me. I just so happen to make money. I just so happen to make money and do it. Um, but even if I would, if you told me that, Keon, you're not going to make no more money doing this. This is just going to be uh, something that's going to be confined to the basement of your house. I would be fine with that because I would still do it. Yeah. Now there was one time, there was one year where I just added up all of the money that I made over the year of just DJing and I shocked myself. I was like, holy shit like I almost like made my salary as a police officer playing music 
and I was like, okay, this, I, I guess this is just what I do now. And so, it's worth a hoodie with your name on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely got cars. I do got some t-shirts. I sold a few t-shirts and um, like there's people like even, um, I, so I had DJed the mayors of Hammond. I DJed his daughter's wedding in the venue. They're like suggesting me to other people. And I was like, yeah, it was a friend of mine. He's like, Hey, yeah, bro. Um, I want to go look at this venue, and they already like recommending that I hire you, not knowing that I know you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So my name gets around places, and you know, I appreciate yeah. it. And uh, it's still a fun thing to do for me. It is personally. So let's talk about Keon the comedian. So we got uh, Officer. Oh, <laughs> we have Hacksaw the DJ. You know, we have the father. And then we have the comedian. Let me get, can I get a three, four minute session with you real quick? What you got? Oh, How did like, comedy uh, uh, come about? You know, yeah, you know, I'm going to put you on front street. That's, that's who I am. Oh my God. Hey, yeah, the, the, so, fun, the fun, funny thing is people will always say like, I had this ability to make a certain situation sound funny, <laughs> but I'd be dead ass serious. And um, that, me, oh my God, it was so crazy. Cause I actually did, my very first like personable show um, in front of in, in Miller and it was at the uh, open mic and then I went off to do Latin laughs and uh, that's when I I, I did a uh, I did a about a 10 minute what yeah I want to say it was about a 10 minute comedy set in front of like 200 people and then I had got my first bomb set where I just bombed oh my god <laughs> uh, it, was, it was actually it was actually in Chicago and um, that's when I just started learning, like, it's di- different classes of people. Um, different classes of people, you have different jokes. And, mm-hmm. like, the, the humor is going to be different with, like, you know, people. I remember I did I did something for, I, I want to say it was all middle class. And uh, I was like, hey, yeah, like, how many single fathers are out here? You know, you had some clapping, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, hey, yeah, give it up for the single fathers. I took the exact same joke to Chicago and I was like, hey yo man, how many single fathers we got? Hey, all the dudes looking like they don't take care of my kids. <laughs> I'm like, oh <laughs> hey, when I when I tell you crickets, I say, damn, ain't no ain't no single fathers or oh y'all ain't got no kids or hey, motherfuckers was looking at me just like, all right man, when the joke's gonna start. And I was like, ooh, and from that moment, hey look, you ain't never seen a dude, you ain't never seen a dude sweat like I sweat. <laughs> like, hey look. And I remember when I did this show, I would always wear cowboy boots. So wearing cowboy boots in Indiana, it's acceptable. A black man wearing cowboy boots in Chicago, I was the joke. Do you hear me? Right. <laughs> yeah, I, right. And the crowd, the crowd started flaming me. And this is what made it bad. It was, uh, I did this, the Chicago show on my mom's birthday, right? So I had got a limousine. Uh, I got all my mom's friends. Uh, we all I drove out all the way out there, and uh, I remember I just went up there on stage. It's my mom's birthday, it's such a good night. I was drinking a little bit, went up there and bomb. I just walked back. Hey, as I got done, so before I can get booed off, I just said, "All right, that's it, my shit," and I just walked off. Mm. And uh, I was, I went straight to the back, and like everybody was just, "Woo!" Hey, look, all the comedians therefore after me had a joke for me, so they was coming up with jokes for me on the spot. Right, wow. right. <laughs> hey, and right. I'm there with my, I'm there with my mama. It was, it was bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, 
I think that's 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 the difference. That's how that's why I learned. Like this shit is hard. Like because some people can just be naturally funny, but to be mm. funny as a career, do it in front of people. Oh yeah, it, it definitely was an eye opener. And uh, I once again, uh, Remy and Jamal, they um, helped me out. Helped me out with my jokes because these weren't just jokes that I just made up. These were jokes that were like uh, as far as like what's happened to me in my life. You Real know what I'm life. saying? Real life. So this wasn't something that I just made up a story or embellished. These were real stories. And like, I think with certain people, that's what made it so funny. Because this is something that like maybe some of us all experienced, but it was definitely uh, a thing. Do I still do comedy? Um, not as much, but I mean, we still I still joke around with my friends. But I can tell you one thing. I said, I mean, when I got my first professional check doing it, I made $250 for like 15 minutes of jokes. And I was okay. like, holy shit. I was like, holy shit. Like, I'm not like no Dave Chappelle or nothing like that. But like, I remember my, my that was my first check I got. And then I remember I, I would do some stuff for free. Like, and I remember my ex-wife had got, I, I always wanted to do a roast. And I did a roast at my house downstairs in my basement. Uh, she actually hired some comedians um, three of them actually um, and all three of them still do comedy they do this shit for real and I, and I follow all of them social medias I talk to them personally and I do see them um, uh, I remember um, Daryl my boy Daryl man he was just doing stuff with Dion Cole he was in music videos he's with um, Lil Duval he's like that's how serious he's in it but he's been doing it for years and then um another friend of mine like he's he's like on tiktok and he's opening up for uh so he's a white dude and he's opening up for some like these jamie kennedy and all these actual celebrities so they went on to um you know uh do really really good in their careers but it's definitely a hard a, a hard field especially if you ain't funny so so you're gonna give us our three minutes four minutes Shit, that was my three minutes. No, no, no. We need to hear uh, some jokes. We gotta get some jokes up out. Uh, okay. So, me. Uh, okay, I got you. Uh, me being a police officer, there's one thing I've always learned is that you always got to trust your local drug dealers. Usually, your local drug dealers is gonna give you the tip it to the top and give you the do's and don'ts. My drug dealer never sold me weed marijuana or cocaine my drug dealers would sell me viagra so when i got my viagra from a drug dealer he said hey listen don't take the whole pill take half and you should be good me not being hard-headed not listening to this um drug this particular drug dealer or let's just say pharmaceutical technician <laughs> my dumb ass took the whole pill so me taking the whole pill i was ready for the sex but i was not ready for the side effects Listen here. When a drug dealer gives you drugs, they don't come with the side effect bottle. You know what I'm saying? Basically, you just gonna find out. And one of the side effects for uh, Viagra was a stuffy nose and a headache. Now, when I tell you the <laughs> headache, I've never experienced this type of headache before, but it was the stuffy nose. Listen, I contemplated on, is this bitch nut really worth my life? Because when I tell you I could not breathe through my nose or my mouth, I was making my peace with God as I was smashing these cheeks. Like, hey, God, just let me finish. And then I'm going to come over there and see. So 
things like that, you need to go ahead and listen to your drug dealers because when I tell you I could not breathe, I I, I was I was ready to die after I was getting done. And that's my joke right there. <laughs> that's hey, hey, that that's a real story. Do you hear me? Like I, oh. I And this is probably why I don't do comedy no more. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't just try to keep dying for everybody's amusement. But I'll, hey, listen. Now I did, now I did sign up for Blue Chew though. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, hey, I'm gonna just do the first free trial. Now I'm gonna see how that works out. <laughs> well, you got any last words? I want to thank you for coming on with me, spending your time with me throughout the day. I know we had some hits and misses, but Oof. I appreciate you. Uh, my hey, I, I'm I'm still experiencing life. Uh, like I just hey, I I, I when, before I had we uh, got my daughter to get my teeth fixed. Uh, we can go and look on my uh my Facebook and see the before and after. I always say I always tell dudes, hey bro, you're not ugly, you just broke. You go ahead and get your money up. You get in the gym. You invest into yourself. I guarantee you, you you'll be looking good out here. That's that's my word of advice for for all that. I am very I'm very pro man, so uh, that's all my uh, some of my knowledge for as far as just being a man in America, black man. So, so where can people find you at? Like you're on YouTube DJing or what? You got some videos out there for comedy. Ooh, um, I I got some stuff out there on um, TikTok. Uh, TikTok is Lee Parker. L-E-E-P-A-R-K-E-R underscore 81. I don't know where the 81 came from. But uh, you can find me on TikTok. At this moment, I'm sitting at about 22,000 followers on that. Um, my Facebook, Lee Parker. L-E-E-P-A-R-K-E-R. And uh, you, you'll see me You'll see me out there. I, I, I am very outspoken and I try my best not to upset everybody, but people going to get it no matter what I say. No matter what. No matter what, I, 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 I've said that plenty of times. They, hey, oh. quick question. There, there is a thing out there called uh, Guys We May Be Dating, uh, Northwest Indiana Edition. If, if I show up on that, can, can somebody please let me know? I don't want anybody out slapping my name. Boy, shut up. <laughs> hey. Guys, we may be dating. Where is that on Facebook? That's it's it's some it's just some pro woman group on Facebook trying to warn all the other women uh, about about the men out here in these streets. All all I'm saying, hey hey, statistically, eighty percent of women date the same twenty percent of men. So, oh my God, y'all in these dang statistics. <laughs> hey, I love I I love numbers and numbers don't lie. They don't. Oh my God, guys, we may be dating. Lord have mercy. Hey, 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 hey this, uh, okay. Hey, some dudes is getting caught up on that because I, mm. I, I said, I said this plenty of time. I said, hey, some of y'all women got this, got a baby that looked like one particular dude. Uh, mm. Hey, the same dude. So I was like, oh, I know your baby, no, no. I'm telling you, I'm being dead serious. Mm, so. Mm, mm. So. Well, and on that note, if Thank you hang in there with me, I'll hang in there with you. Adios. Bye bye.